It's our Breakfast Benz Hockey Podcast. It is our Trade Deadline Podcast. Tim Benz and Seth Rorba with you. Seth, of course, covers the Penguins for us on the hockey side at the Pittsburgh Tribune Review. You can read them at Trib Live. Seth, after we were done covering Ron Hextall's press conference on Friday evening, I went down to Northway Cinema and saw Cocaine Bear. I think some of the hikers made out better than Hextall at the trade deadline. How about you? <laughs> uh, honestly, I'm not as down on what Ron Hextall did as maybe some other people did. Uh, uh, I mean, I'm just down on the overall general situation, just the management of the roster. Um, you know, going back to you know, if you want to, you know, signing Jeff Carter, or, you know, who, you know, Casper Cap and whatever. Um, I thought Ron Hextall had a bad situation of his own doing, and I thought he largely did a pretty good job of. of, of improving on it i don't again i don't i don't know that the penguins are a, a threat to even win two or three games in the first round against say boston or carolina but um i i think as we're talking here on saturday they're a better team than they were last saturday when casper Kapanen was still you know a member of the penguins so um again he created a bad situation and i thought he did an okay job okay just okay uh job of kind of maneuvering out of it and you know putting his team in a slightly better position I'm like you, actually, Seth, and that speaks very much to the tone of what I wrote on Friday evening, which is the trade deadline moves were underwhelming, but I don't know how anybody could have expected much more than that given the situation that was at hand. I think what happened at the trade deadline more or less underscores the mistakes that were made in July of last year or even in May and January of last year, like you said, going back to the Carter signing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know you know there were reports tying them to some of the big names out there, you know, uh, you know Jacob Chikrin, uh, you know, JT Miller, and stuff like that. And I, I just don't know that necessarily that was going to get done right now. You know, a deal like that. And frankly, I'm not quite sure the Penguins needed a deal like that. I mean, their biggest problem was the bottom six. You're not going to go out and get an All Star, a Hall of Famer. Uh, like a Patrick Kane or whoever uh, to fill out your bottom six, you're going to get you know spare parts for lack of a better term. Um, I, I think that's a fair way of describing what uh, uh, Mikhail Granlin is. Um, he, yeah, former first round pick, maybe he's never lived up to those that, that those aspirations, but he's been a serviceable uh, kind of swing player who could play all three positions, uh, uh, can bump up to your top six if you needed him on occasion. It, it, basically, he's like a a slightly better but more expensive version of uh, Evan Rodriguez. Uh, they got that type of player in their lineup, and he's automatically their best top, you know, bottom six forward. Granted, that's a very low bar to clear. Um, you know, go out and get Nick Benino. We all know what he's about. Uh, he's probably, you know, he's got six years worth of tread, you know, missing off his tires. And then when we last saw him here in a Pittsburgh Penguin uniform, but um, a fairly dependable option. And, I would say at the moment right now, he's probably an upgrade over Teddy Bluger in terms of, you know, overall play. Um, you, you know what you get with Nick Benino defensively. And, you know, by the way, he has 10 goals while largely playing a bottom six role with little, you know, relatively little power play time. So uh, you get a bit of a boost offensively there. Um, and in the long term, I mean, I think you benefit by, you know, shedding away some some bad salaries there. And Kasperi Kapanen, uh, who had another year left on his deal, and Brock McGinn had two years left on his deal. So um, that, you know, maybe that, you know, get, that gets eaten up by what you, what you have with Mikel Granlin now on the roster at $5 million with two years left. But um, you get two bad, unproductive, you know, contracts off your off your roster here. So, um, 
again, to, to you know, the original point there, I just I don't know that the Penguins had a bad deadline. I don't think they had a great deadline by any means, but I think they just uh, they had a bad situation of their own doing, and I think they uh, slightly approved upon it. I actually think you and I are parking our cars in the same garage on this one. I view <laughs> things very similar to the way that you do. And I think that some of the outcry and vitriol that we're seeing about what the Penguins didn't do, Seth, is largely tied to well, what we always do at the trade deadline, which is get overly excited about players that either A, may not be attainable, or B, just aren't as good as we think they are. I think the second category is Brock Besser. I think the first category is JT Miller. Um, how about you? Uh, I mean, I, JT Miller, I, I, I'm not closing the door on that just yet. Uh, you know, it sounds like, you know, you know, there were some discussions there, you know, nothing. Not, not closing the door, meaning like you, they might try to investigate that again in the summertime. Is that what you're getting yeah, at? Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Exactly. I just, you know, when you're dealing with a kind of a, a finite time frame here, I, you know, the trade deadline was three o'clock on Friday. Um, it doesn't necessarily always give you the, the most flexibility or, or freedom to kind of work with it. Cause you know, you're, you're in the midst of a season. Uh, uh, you know, yeah. They got to have contracts expire. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, you don't, that's have a big part of it. Yeah, I mean, the Penguins are going to have some contracts coming off the books, you know, like Brian Dumoulin, and they're going to have to figure out what's up with, uh, um, you know, Tristan Jari's future, et cetera, you know, Jason Zucker. So they're going to have a little more freedom to work with if if they feel adding, you know, JT Miller, who's, I think, going to be approaching 30 and it's going to be ending the first year of a contract as an $8 million cap hit. Um, certainly some question marks there, but if they feel that's a worthwhile player to add to their roster, um, they'll have more freedom to do that. So. Um, no, just because they didn't trade for JT Miller on Friday here doesn't mean, you know, you know, he won't, uh, you know, they won't explore that option again down the road here when they have maybe a little more freedom or, or flexibility to do so. So, um, you know, but you know, for all the talk of, you know, how Hextall mismanaged the roster and everything like that, like, you know, look at the New York Rangers. I mean, they've added Vladimir Tarasenko and Patrick Kane, you know, two potential hall of famers, all stars on their roster here. Um, but they, you know, as we're speaking here on Saturday, they have to play a lineup against the, the powerful Boston Bruins uh, on national TV, I believe it is, um, with uh, only 11 forwards and five defensemen because they don't have the necessary cap space to recall if they, if they have some injuries right now with um, uh, defenseman Ryan Lindgren and, and Tyler Mott, another guy they added to free agents uh, at the trade deadline here, and uh, Kay Andre Miller's uh, suspended right now for spitting on Drew Dowdy of the Kings uh, last week. So, um, yeah, if you want to say Ron Hexel mismanages roster, okay, fine. But um, he hasn't mismanaged it to the point where you know he's only you know dressing eleven forwards and five defensemen. I mean, that, that's to me when I when I look at a situation like that, that's mismanagement. What Ron Hexel did is maybe just you know um, you know uh, less than ideal management, if you want to say that. But um, it could be a lot worse. I guess is what I'm, my main point here. Seth Verba with us. That speaks to the situation he was in this summer as far as needing in the eyes of, I think, management and the locker room, whatever forces were at work to keep the core together. They had to do that, and apparently they had to do that with no trade clauses. And I think, Seth, maybe it's more about everything that was kept around the core than it was the actual core itself based on the production that they've given it's just that they had to make sacrifices somewhere. They would have had to let somebody else go that they didn't want to let go at the time to avoid putting themselves in a situation where they had no maneuverability. And they had no maneuverability. I mean, I think it was 
essentially they were going into the season with the team being what it was without much wiggle room to improve. And we are seeing the fruits of that right now. Yeah. And that's, I don't know that's necessarily been anything different here over the past 15 years, whether, whether it was Ray Sher or Jim Rutherford or, um, you know, Ron Hextall, it's always been about, you know, finding the good supplemental pieces uh, to the core. Um, and in years past that, you know, they did pretty well. And in some years they didn't do well. I mean, I'm thinking of like, say, you know, Ray Sheriff last year in particular, they did not do a very good job. And when you look at some of those bottom six, you know, groups they had with guys like, you know, Tanner Glass and Craig Adams and stuff like that. And, um, you know, Jim Rutherford's first year, even maybe as one of some of his last few years, I mean, he didn't do very good with guys bringing in guys like Josh Joris and hoping he would be well, you know, do well. And, um, some other guys, you know, Daniel Winnick early in his, in his time, there was a big trade deadline acquisition that kind of fizzled out. So, um, no, I mean, it's just, it, that aspect of things I don't think is necessarily different or, or was different. It just, you know, you had to figure out obviously maybe with the contract situation last year, how to, you know, you know, build up around that. And, you know, they obviously had some misfires there with, uh, uh, most notably Casper Kampen and, you know, Brock McGinn is, never, ever lived up to, to his, you know, the billing of being a replacement for Brandon Tanev and um, Dan Heinen, even if he's only on a one year deal with 1 million, he's, he's failed to live up to whatever expectations he established last year. So, no, I mean, they, they did a poor job uh, last summer, particularly in terms of, you know, supplementing, uh, you know, around the core pieces there. And, um, and again, I don't know that's necessarily uh, new ground there. And Ray, as I said, Ray Shero and Jim Rutherford had some, some notable misses as well as hits uh, during their tenure here. Last thing, Seth, you talked about Granlin, you talked about Benino. How does Kulikov fit in? I um, mean, he's a bottom pairing defenseman. He'll, he'll battle POJ, uh, POJ Joseph for that uh, left side, you know, job on the on the um third on the third pair there with Jan Ruda um and I think we've seen maybe a, a few signs of fatigue there with Pio Joseph you know just in terms of this is his first full uh NHL season at this level and that's nothing new there either uh we saw signs of that with cast with uh Chris Letang uh, way back when in like 2008 you know 2708 or whatever um you know we've seen you know Oli Mata kind of deal with that when he was you know first playing you know full NHL season so um, it's not unprecedented for, for a young, talented, you know, rookie defenseman to kind of, you know, show signs of fatigue, uh, you know, going through that gauntlet, you know, or, or through the grinder of an NHL season for the first time. So, um, he's just more competition for playing time. I almost kind of look at him the way like Daryl Sador was for, you know, or, you know, Philippe Boucher were for the, those long playoff runs the Penguins had in 2008 and 2009. Uh, Justin Schultz was sort of like that, uh, in 2016 and, you know, Mark Streit maybe to a lesser extent. So, um, not that I expect the Penguins to have a long playoff run, but um, if they have designs on doing so, uh, it's good to have you know multiple options there, whether it's defensemen or forwards. And, you know, we've seen that in years past where they've had to go to guys like Scott Wilson or or um, you know you know lower rungs of the roster to, to step in. Alex Bolgoski, when he was a rookie, had to step in you know, way back when. So um, you know, I, I think above all else, you know, Dmitry Kulikov's a good example of this. Uh, you know, a lot of this, what Ron Hexall did at the deadline here was just to build up their depth and, and give Mike Sullivan and company, you know, several options for a, uh, a hopeful, but presumed, uh, long playoff run. If they get that long, if they get that far, everybody going to be available tonight against Florida. And what do you make of this game? It's a big one. Um, as far as I know, I think Brian Paling's still really the early injury. I'm not quite sure what's up with him I mean, it seems like it's uh it's I, mean, the, I meant the new guys the trade guys like obviously Granlin oh, is what about the other two guys they got yesterday 
I mean, we'll see. You know, Mike Sullivan's supposed to speak. You know, maybe uh, maybe about two hours before the game, they didn't have a morning skate down there, so there was no media availability. But um, you know, you know, I think there was a photo of Nick Benino actually at the team hotel, so I'm guessing he's available. But uh, as far as uh, the Kulikov, I'm not quite sure what his status is yet. Uh, I mean, he hasn't had, even had the benefit of a practice here. Neither is Benino, but. Um, but uh, no, I, I would anticipate Nick Benino uh, stepping in, probably being you know the fourth line center. And you know, Drew O'Connor got recalled uh, after the paper transaction Friday to keep him eligible for the American League playoffs. He got recalled, uh, never actually left Florida physically, but um, he'll he'll probably go back to that right wing, which uh, they they seem to have a preference for uh, using him on a on a wing. Not that he didn't do too badly in center against Tampa the other night, but they seem to have a preference for him at wing and. Um, I'm guessing you'll probably see at the very least, uh, you know, the most notable change in the lineup from Thursday would be, uh, the fourth line with uh, some combination of Josh Archibald, Nick Benino and Drew O'Connor. As far as Kulokov, I'm not quite sure just yet. Appreciate it, Seth. We'll catch up next week. Good work throughout the trade deadline, tracking all that activity. And we'll talk again soon. All right. Take care, Tim. All right. Seth Rorba, 